This episode is full of spoilers and contains some not-so-super language. Citizens, welcome to the Fortress of Potitude. I'm Dave Michaels. I'm Brian Betts. And we are the Cape Podcasters. And this is the show that's for the greater good. The greater good. The greater good. The greater good. It's week two of our Three Flavors Cornetto trilogy. Yeah. This one's a lot more obvious in the Cornetto department in a lot of ways. It's a little more heavy handed in the Cornetto department. <laughs> that's a good way to put it, too. Favros Cornettos. Oh, man. Don't give him ideas. He'll do it. <laughs> he probably would. He absolutely would. Yeah. Today we are talking about 2007's Hot Fuzz. Hot Fuzz with one T, not two. That's correct. Still directed by the Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright wanted it to have two T's, but Simon Pegg didn't want to just explain it on the uh, press tour. It's a silly thing. It's I get it. Lethal Weapon. All these things have like yeah. the same amount of letters as they go through. And he's like, oh, it's Hot Fuzz. And they're like, no. What's weird is every time <laughs> I've written it down in the last few days- I've written it with two T's accidentally. Have you? Every Maybe Edgar Wright's onto something then. Every time. All right. And then I had to go back and fix it. So blame Simon Pegg. Yeah. For bad marketing? Totally same got, marketing? And he's got two G's in his last name, so how hypocritical. The nerve of some people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to outright say this is my favorite Edgar Wright movie. This is my favorite of the Cornetto trilogy. Scott Pilgrim? Or Baby Driver is- I think I put lean. both of them above it. Do you? Yeah. This one checks just about every single box for me. Yeah. Just across the board of yeah. what it has. And man, I think this script's even better than Shaun of the Dead. Absolutely. It's tighter. And it's shot even better than Shaun uh, of the Dead. There were times while I was watching it that I was like, oh, that was such a good choice, Edgar. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it nice to watch the movie seeing the choices being yeah. made? And it's pretty neat that going from watching Shaun of the Dead to this, it's like, this is one of the few times, no, it might be the only time so far we've gone- with the same director multiple weeks. Yeah. We actually get to see him evolve a little bit and his choices and whatnot. So pretty neat. Pretty neat. Hot fuzz. Hot fuzz. You just want to get into this one? Let's There's just a, quite a bit. Get into it, yeah. It was a busy, busy movie. Very busy. We begin, as we always do, with a long shot of our main character slowly walking toward the camera. It's starting to get frustrating, but I get it. It's yeah. a good way to establish you a character. establish a character. He's entering the movie as we're entering the movie. Yeah. Good. Excellent. Nicholas Angel, played by Simon Pegg, is easily London's best cop. Easily. Easily. We get a montage of him being policey, just to prove that. <laughs> I like how you see him like he's a SWAT guy, he's a karate guy, he's a, he's a karate guy. guy. It's like, wow, he could do it all. He can also he can he do stuff with cars and bikes. Yeah, it's like he just got bored and wants to yeah. make all of his attributes in this video game world that's created here just through the roof. He even got stabbed in the hand by Santa Claus, uh, Father Christmas, uh, Peter Jackson. That's right. <laughs> what a great cameo. Amazing. Almost as good as Kate Blanchett's cameo when she's like, no, we're broken up. So that scene is all sorts of fucky because that was the most real scene I've seen in a long time just from the world that we live in today with yeah. masks and whatnot. Also the most accurate depiction of like a CSI scene. Yeah, but there's a lot of mask jokes. 
where they're confusing people yeah. for other people. Yeah. It's like, I'm Bill, <laughs> whatever. It's not that was the second most timely thing that was said in this whole movie. We haven't gotten to the first yet? We have not. We okay. won't for a while, but. That's fair. When it was said on screen, I went, oh my God. <laughs> what I like is that they're openly saying, like, would I ever date that guy? It's like, does we, that look they like all somebody look the same <laughs> that I would date? With the masks on. And it's the guy next to him. Yeah. Beautiful. It's very good. Nicholas Angel. He's now a, a single cop who's just married to the job, and that's the whole issue. Yeah. And his arrest record is 400% better than that of any other officer. Right. And he's always striving to become an even better police officer. Somehow. To the point where his sergeant, Martin Freeman. Martin his, fucking Freeman, thank you. His inspector, Steve Coogan. Steve, Stephen fucking Coogan, yes. And his chief inspector, Bill Nye. Bill fucking Not the Nye. science guy E. Oh, that's so much better when you just <laughs> word it that way. They decide that he's making his fellow constables look bad. When I saw Steve Coogan in this, I forgot that he was even in this. Oh, me too. I like squealed a little I was bit. like, Steve Coogan? Like, I just watched all of Alan Partridge okay. on HBO Max. Sure. And it's like, he's on the mind. Steve fucking Coogan. It lands, man. He's so good in everything. He is excellent. This is no exception. No. It, even though he's barely in it. It's what a cameo is for. It is what a cameo is for. So the three of them forcibly promote and transfer Nick to a sleepy country village called <laughs> Sanford, which, of course, has the lowest crime rate in the country. Of course. I, I just like how he's making everybody look so bad that they need to move him like, You need to leave. <laughs> Nick arrives in Sanford, his cottage not quite ready yet. So he stays at an inn where he checks in with uh, Joyce Cooper. Brian has to look at his cheat sheet for this. Who's this played cheat by sheet is, is insane. Billy Whitelaw. We usually have the cheat sheet with the actors, with the actors' names next to us at all times that yes. Brian throws together. And usually it's like eight characters, maybe 12 characters, whatever. Yeah. How many are on this one? 28. Oh, that's insane to that's, me. It's a lot. It's and the they most, matter. And it's that's the, most the, we've the ever crazy had part about it. Yeah. I like how you even said this is like a, a warm-up for Infinity War. Yeah, this is the Infinity War template already. Yeah. <laughs> Hot fuzz. Lots of characters. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? into Infinity War. Joyce Cooper is played by Billy Whitelaw, and she's filling out her crossword puzzles. Fascist. Hag. That's a good joke. It's a very good joke. It's like seven down. He looks calls her a hag. It's three across or whatever. Yeah. Like, that's well done. It's fun. They're both like, huh? <laughs> it's like, oh, no. It's the crossword puzzle. Because he's restless, Nick decides to walk through the village, and he winds up at the local pub. Where he realizes the vast majority of patrons are underage. Yes. After he orders a cranberry juice. What is it, your period? Does anybody say that? They do in The Departed. The, sorry, The Departed. The Departed, yeah. Sorry. You gotta... That's kind of why the English cop said, are you still a fucking cop? <laughs> you, you a fucking cop? <laughs> if you're a fucking cop, you gotta tell me. You gotta tell me, legal. You gotta tell me. <laughs> this is my English accent now. You gotta tell me. <laughs> The pub owners. Can you imagine if whenever we do an English accent from now on, we just make it Boston. I like we'll just that. Just call it a day. That's fun. I think I'm better at a Boston accent than hey, I am English. Hey, Brian, Brian, you got red on you. <laughs> That's wicked good. It's a wicked good accent, kid. The greater good. That's what we're here for. The greater good. It's the greater good. It's the greater good. I know certain people who are going to be very irritated by that. Good. Because they hate the Boston accent. As they should. It is grinding. It's fun. It's fun <laughs> and grinding. It's wicked grinding, kid. <laughs> so the pub owners, Roy and Mary Porter, played by Peter Wright and Julia Deacon, claim that serving these underage kids at the pub, where they're at least being supervised, is for the greater good. Julia Deacon. She's the landlord in Spaced. Oh, okay. So we, at this point, have just about all of them. 
We've, we've almost done it. Yeah. We think we're missing the artist. I think I haven't seen him yet. So I don't know who that is. Yeah, so. I know. But as the only of the main cast, I think we're missing at this as point. As a fan of Edgar Wright, I should really watch Space. You really, really should. And I will at some point. Nick kicks all the kids out of the pub, and he also arrests a man, played by Nick Frost, who's drunk driving. Yeah. Well, drunkenly backs into him as he's making a wish at the Still driving. Reverse Still driving. driving. Yeah, but- I've seen Cars. Have you? Yeah. Cars 3? No. It's the best one. I know. You keep saying that. <laughs> and I don't think anyone in the world's going to agree with you. Even John Lasseter's like, man, I'm going to start saying suggested things to girls in my office just to get me out of here because of Cars 3, probably. I like to imagine that's false. how his Pixar downfall happened. False. What do you mean, false? Cars 3, I think, is widely regarded as one of the better of the Cars movies. Really? <laughs> Which, I mean, there's three of them, so one of the better is not. I don't know. I I, I keep hearing two is a pile of garbage, but I can't oh, yeah. watch two. No, it's it definitely goes three, one, two. Because my, my kid won't let me watch two. She won't want, let me watch two of anything, for the most part. Even, like, Toy Story 2. Yeah, why are they doing different things, Dad? She loves Toy Story, the first one. Of course. And then I started playing Toy Story 2 for one time. She says, doesn't have the friend song. And I'm like, mm. okay. Yeah. This is how this is going to go, huh? You got to put on the first movie. That's <laughs> 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 how my kid sounds. Yeah. It's really annoying. When She's she, a huge when she learned to walk, Randy Newman fan. That was frustrating. <laughs> left foot, right foot. <laughs> and you're walking down the street. <laughs> <laughs> and now that she's talking to the baby... As we're like teaching her how to eat sure. shit, she's like, here comes the airplane flying to the hangar. <laughs> like, no, stop, kid. Red-headed lady. <laughs> Reached for, for an apple. apple. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine if from now on, whenever we did a Boston accent? We, we did, did Randy, Randy Newman. Newman. <laughs> I like it. We're going to incept these accents. I like it a lot. At some point, somebody's going to be like, wow, people from Boston really sound like Randy Newman. <laughs> Guy with red on his shirt, waiting <laughs> for a Cornetto. <laughs> uh, you got to park the car in Harvard Yard. Oh, jeez. <laughs> That's a wicked hot accent, kid. <laughs> Nick walks the man to the police station, also arresting several of the drunken youths along the way for disorderly conduct. And he hasn't even started the job yet. Nope. That's how dedicated he is to law and order. This guy is lolly and orderly. Right. doesn't just say it like one American. Dun, dun. He actually means it. <laughs> we'll get there. Not for long. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Woohoo! The next morning, reporting for his first day, he discovers his new partner, Danny Butterman, is the very drunk he arrested the night before. Right! And his father is Frank Butterman, played by Jim Broadbent, the village's inspector and his new superior. Right. We also should say that the guy who is working the desk at the police precinct, it's Bill Bailey. It is Bill Bailey. We got all three now from Black Books because... In Shaun of the Dead, we had Dylan Moran and we had Taysom Grigg. It's, yeah. We got all three now. Look at that. How about that? I love it. I love how they're just like keeping it in- Oh, very much. They're universe like- Universe in a way. Can we get every British com- comedic actor in this movie? I think we can, if we try. Perfect. <laughs> they're missing all the ones from Father Ted. That's the only problem, but that's well, maybe, Irish. Maybe they did something to, to offend them. No. Well, Father Ted is all sorts of weird. It's amazing. It's fucking brilliant. Okay. But the guy who played Father Ted- died the day after they finished filming the series. So it puts a weird black cloud, which is appropriate sure. for the British. That's they right. live under an eternal black cloud. But it, it, it makes it weird whenever you watch that finale now, <laughs> knowing like, hey, that guy's going to be dead in 24 hours. That's insane. Yeah. It's another one I'm going to have to check out now. It's extremely good. Nick meets his fellow constables, who, with the exception of the smug detective Andes, 
Played by <laughs> I love the Andes. Played by Patty Considine and Rafe Spall. He's back. He is back, and he looks like an adult now. Yeah, weird, huh? <laughs> he didn't in the three last years. Movie. It's the mustache that does it, and of course, definitely lost a few pounds, and it helped him look longer, and yeah. older, longer. Yeah. Simon Pegg also lost a few pounds for this role. He had to. Simon Pegg is a really interesting actor, and I'm Very learning that about well, him. Well, I read that he actually he worked out for a whole four weeks to get in shape for this movie. Wow. I mean, the dedication. You can't teach it. All of Nick's fellow constables are, are rather affable and neither adept at or much interested in investigative police work. Right. And we should talk about one of these constables in particular. It's Oscar winner Olivia fucking Coleman. Yeah. Uh, Doris Thatcher. Oh, my God. At this point, she's coming from Peep Show. Yeah. Onto this. And she's making that sort of slow transition into the film world, even though she's stuck with TV for a long ass time, too. Yeah. She's still in TV with the crown. She is fascinating. I am absolutely in love with her. She's like an actress crush for me because of how good she is in everything. Okay. I guess I'm not as familiar with her, her body of work. She's amazing in Peep Show. Okay. The only other people who seem interested in law and order in, in Sanford are the Neighborhood Watch Alliance. It's a group of longtime residents who care deeply about maintaining Sanford's reputation as the nation's best village. And they're concerned about the arrival of street performers and other riffraff. Right. And this is actually a weird rabbit hole that I went down in terms of the word village, which I was not aware of. Was like, this is a, a thing yeah. in England. Oh, absolutely. This movie is filmed in Wells in Somerset in England. Hometown of Edgar Wright. Exactly. Where he also shot, uh, what was the, f- the first movie he ever did, The Fistful of Whatever. Fistful of Fingers. Fistful of Fingers. That's what yeah. it was. And it's it's kind of nice knowing that you could just go back home and make a movie here. Yeah. And they pretty much shut it down in order to do this. But what Wells is, it's, it's considered a cathedral city. Mm-hmm. A city built around this cathedral. It's been around for 500 years. And that was an issue because they had to win Village of the Year. So they had to digitally remove... The cathedral, the cathedral. In every, every single shot. shot. That is unreal. <laughs> in order for it to be a proper village, mm-hmm. that is dedication right there. Oh, absolutely. They it's gave like, a damn. He's like, I have to do it at home, but right. we have to make it a village instead of a cathedral <laughs> town. How cool is that, though? That's very cool. It's very cool. It's funny because he said something like, it was cool to go home again to do this, yeah. but it was also a lot more fun to tear apart his hometown. Absolutely. Why wouldn't it be? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, come on. I can't stress how big this actual cathedral is either. Like, this is a gigantic cathedral. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, if you have to cut it out of every shot, that means it's always visible. Yeah. <laughs> Things are not tall in England for the most part. Right. You would notice this real easily. Oh, yeah. The Neighborhood Watch Alliance has uh, a member that is in the police precinct, and his name's Tom Weaver. He's played by Edward Woodward, which is just a fantastic name. And he kind of has this whole surveillance set up there, and and he's really doing more police work than the police. Right. It's fantastic. Who watches The Watchmen? Tom Weaver. It's it's Tom. (laughs) (laughs) Nick's first piece of real police work is tracking down Peter Ian Staker's Swan, played by Stephen Merchant. Of course. Stephen fucking Merchant. Correct. Peter Ian Staker, P.I. Staker, Piss Taker, come on! Come on! And then it's actually a a, a guy. Sure. Uh, It proves to be a more difficult task than he thought. It does, but I also love that you get the attitude of this town as well, because as Stephen Merchant's talking to Simon Pegg, Simon Pegg's asking him, like, so what does it look like? And he's like, well, it's white. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm confusing my accent. It's white. Boston accent. You're doing a Boston accent. You got to do a British accent. I did it. I did it already. 
if we're doing a Boston accent for a British accent, we're doing a Randy Newman accent for a Boston accent. I do a Randy Newman accent. Well, no, because then it sounds like you're doing a you're from Boston. Oh shit, you're right. <laughs> the, the swan's white. It's a white swan. It's a white What's swan. What's so difficult about this? And he goes, "Oh, what else is there?" He's like, "Got a, it's got a black bill, dude. It's a swan. It's about three feet tall." <laughs> I just like how dismissive. It's a swan. It's a swan. <laughs> but Simon Pegg is so involved in the police work. He's like, "There's got to be more to it. Got to be more to it." And sorry, nope. This <laughs> is a swan. swan. Nick and Danny eventually give up on trying to find it. Pretty quickly. Pretty quickly. Yeah. Danny pesters Nick for details of his career in London, which he assumes was filled with all kinds of blazing action that he's seen in American action films like right. Point Break and Bad Boys 2. That always makes me laugh because it's like, those are not the two that I go to right away. Point Break maybe actually, but. Yeah. Oh, is it though? Because yeah. we're talking 80s, 90s action. It's like he's not even incorporating. Oh, those are cop movies though. Right. Right. He's specifically referencing yeah. cop movies, but I, I, I still go to like, oh, Weapon. Blue Streak. Lethal Weapon. So, like that. You can't do Blue Streak. No. When Luke Wilson's the tough guy. Nope. (laughs) There's nothing tough about Luke Wilson. But yeah, he's asking him all sorts of stuff like, have you ever jumped through the air and shot two guns at the same time? you ever unload a clip while yelling, ah, at the sky? (laughs) No, I've I've never done any of that. Never had to do any of that. But what I love is that you're going to find out later down the line. Roger Ebert did not see this movie, or did not review this movie, at least. It's the only one of this trilogy that he didn't review. That's interesting. And it was weird, looking on his website, like, you've touched every single one, but for some reason didn't touch Hot Fuzz. Was it too close to home, maybe? And it's because they actually wrote in as many possible cliches from those movies into this movie, and they got it from Roger Ebert's book, Ebert's bigger little movie glossary. So it's like, you know what? Fantastic. Go to the source. Fine. Right. Perfect. I feel like he was like, I don't have to see it. I, I wrote lived it. it. <laughs> Come on, Daddy. <laughs> that's, that's a good peewee. I've had enough practice, unfortunately, with this show. Yeah, that, that happens, doesn't it? Can we talk about Daddy for a minute? No. Okay. Never. Nick is suspicious of several of the townspeople, <laughs> claiming that there's always something going on. Yeah. But Danny defends all of them. He's like, no, that's just, he just always wears a giant puffy jacket. Right. He's not hiding a gun under there. Oh, that's Lurch. He's he's just a, a big guy with the mind of a child. That's it. And he works down at the grocery store. Uh, the supermarché. The supermarché. As Timothy fucking Dalton calls it. Yes, Timothy fucking Dalton. But right now, we're still on Rory fucking McCann, who plays Lurch. He's so he's good He's also the hound in Game of Thrones. Yeah, he is. This movie is possibly the most loaded movie we've ever talked about by possibly. like a long shot. Yeah, there's a lot of like of until real we probably get this. to Infinity War. Yeah, yeah. Which this is, is ridiculous. Not as far away as we think it is. No, it's weirdly creeping up. And 2020 did not do us any favors in terms of, no. of helping us like not feel nervous about getting there, getting to the end of the MCU. Yeah, <laughs> we have time. We do have time. <laughs> this movie's loaded. Oh yeah, I can't wait to talk about Timothy Fucking Dalton. Well, we're going to do that very soon. Fantastic. The two visit the town grocer, Timothy, Simon Skinner. Timothy fucking Dalton. All right, Timothy fucking Dalton. When you said very soon, I was like, oh, minutes away. Yeah, no, right now. Now. We're right talking now. about we're talking about Timothy fucking Dalton right now. Timothy Dalton is on record as saying this is the most fun that he's ever had working on a movie. That's wild. And he was James Bond yeah. twice. <laughs> <laughs> Unreal. It's absolutely incredible. When you look at him, he comes into this thing having a great time. He's running alongside Simon Pegg saying, like, I'm a slasher. You got to arrest me. (laughs) 
And he's like, what? I, I'm a slasher of prices. Like, oh, man. All right. Oh, I like how you just say. And he, he even said to Edgar Wright, he's like, I'm growing a mustache for this yeah. role oh, <laughs> because yeah. I needed to just really drive it home how that, sleazy this That little is. extra bit of smarminess. Yeah. It's beautiful. I like that he's like, my prices are criminal as he runs away. <laughs> it's so good. But while they're at the, the supermarché. So he calls it. <laughs> Nick catches one of the shady town folk from earlier shoplifting, which leads to a whole chase, which also includes a callback to Shaun of the Dead, where Nick asks Danny, what, you've never taken a shortcut before? Oh, it's beautiful. And he jumps over a bunch of garden successfully fences. Successfully jumps over the fences. This and then Danny tries to do the same thing, and he runs straight through one of the fences. It's a great gag. And then he gets up, and he looks back at the camera, just so people would know that he didn't have a stuntman do it for him. Beautiful. It's a good touch. That's so good. What I like about this chase scene is that you have this very distinctive character in this town who's wearing like a purple jumpsuit for the most part. Like yeah. a purple sweat track suit, that type of thing. He's got his hat pulled down low because he's ugly as fuck. That's what Nick Frost says. <laughs> <laughs> but I appreciate how you have this quick little chase scene through this town. Yeah. And you see Simon Pegg chasing him and you have all the citizens seeing him chasing him. And then you see one of the townsfolk get on the walkie and go like, oh, he's at it again or whatever. Like establishing... These folks are talking to each other. Oh, yeah. It's nice. Yeah. As he's chasing him, he sees the the swan again, and he almost goes for the swan instead, but he's like, nope, got to get this guy. <laughs> I do want to quickly double back very fast how when they're in the car, Nick Frost asks Simon Pegg, he's like, hey, you want anything from the shop? And he oh, goes, yeah. A Cornetto. A Cornetto. There you have it. There it is. <laughs> I told you, it's not as subtle as the first one. No, definitely any not. Means. Definitely not. So after they catch the, the shoplifter, Nick is confused when Skinner declines to press charges. But now he kind of understands how Sanford maintains its low crime rate. Yeah. Later, Nick and Danny pull over Martin Blower. 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 I, I always think it's Blower because that would be like a proper name instead of Blower. Like, whose last name is Blower? But no, it's Blower. There's a guy with the last name Messenger in this movie. That's true. You should just assume it's the obvious. It's Blower. You know, the way it's spelled is really the way to go off of it. Yeah, well, you know. When it comes down to it. That's how they do it in Britain. That's That was not Boston. That. that was not even I, That was Brooklyn. Yeah, that was, I've never done it that poorly. All right, so for a Randy Newman accent, we should we do, do Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Okay, that's going to come up way less often. <laughs> You're right, but still, you might be surprised. <laughs> now, that takes so much thought now, though. you got a friend in me. Oh, jeez. We've got a friend in that's me. That's Jersey. So for Brooklyn accents, we're going to do Jersey accents. Oh, God. <laughs> if we keep going down this rabbit hole, I'm going to be I'm going to be like this far off on every single one, and it's just going to end up into this whole train that we can't follow anymore. We're just going to get to Canadian at some point, and oh, that's yeah. what I'm really excited that's for. That's definitely going to happen soon. Yeah. Hey. Sorry for doing the accents oh, bad. Sorry. So if we're doing a foreign accent, we should just do Canada. Any accent is Canada now. Deal. <laughs> I'm glad we've simplified this episode somehow. <sighs> There's a lot going on in this movie. Yes, Martin Blower, played by David Threlfall, and his much younger girlfriend, Eve Draper. That is a fun last name, Threlfall. Threlfall, isn't I it? I like that a lot. It's a lot of that fun. That sounds like some sort of Jim Henson Muppet name. <laughs> this is, is Threlfall. Threlfall. <laughs> and Eve Draper, played by Lucy Punch, they were speeding. They sure so they, get, they get pulled over, because them's the rules. That's illegal. Uh, the two of them are on the way to perform their homage to Shakespeare, <laughs> an updated interpretation of Romeo and Juliet, complete with Love Fool by the Cardigans. Yes. As we all know, that's what Bill Shakespeare intended. Bill Shakespeare. I love that she wakes up and she's like, oh, you're dead. And she pulls a gun out and she shoots herself. Like the whole thing is everybody's like, oh God, this is bad. Yeah. Even Boz Lerman's going, mine wasn't the worst. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
After the performance, the two would-be thespians are brutally decapitated by a dark-cloaked figure with a hatchet. Yeah, I get it. Their bodies are then strewn about in the road where Nick and Danny had pulled them over earlier, and their cars wrecked to make it look like their death was a gory, tragic accident. Not to Nicholas Angel, though. Not to Nick Angel. The other police officers are, are like, yeah, it was an accident. Obviously, yeah. look at this. And and Nick's like, mm, I don't know. There's no skid marks. Yeah. And which gets a laugh, actually. <laughs> it's very it good. It sure does. <laughs> oh, who's being juvenile now? The Andes are fantastic. The I Andes love the are Andes. probably my favorite thing about this movie. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because there was like a bar, uh, pub scene earlier where he's uh, one of the Andes, the Patty Constantine one, is taking a sip. He's got a must a beer mustache on top of his mustache, and Simon Pegg's like, "You've got a mustache." He's like, "I know." <laughs> <laughs> it's so like good. no shit. It's so good, it's so so good. I love the Andes so much. I want them to have their own show. Oh, I would love to watch an Andy spinoff. And I also love how Timothy fucking Dalton calls him the Andrews. Yeah, just it's great. It is great. <laughs> the next day, Nick and Danny are called to a farmhouse, and they go with. Bob Walker, who's one of their, their fellow constables. Right. Played by Carl Johnson. And uh, they bring him because he's the only officer who can understand Arthur Webley, who is who's the person in question, played by David fucking Bradley. Right. I have to imagine that kids were out of bed after dark in Hogwarts because this is fucking filch. It's it's also, uh, what's his name from Game of Thrones? Uh, I can never remember the character's name. Tyrion Lannister. Got it. First try. Nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> nope. Nope. He definitely gets... Fed his sons at some point. Spoilers. I know you're talking about. Yeah. And there's just too many damn characters. There's too many people in Game of Thrones. I can't remember any of their names. No. Have less characters. Exactly. (laughs) And Hot Fuzz, too, while you're at it. Yeah, why not? Have less characters. Uh, He's been trimming his neighbor's hedges, and that's the kind of thing that that gets you called on the police floor out there. Uh, You know, you can can trim your own hedges, but that's not your property. You can't do that. Can't do that. Nick asks him about the legality of the shotgun he has draped over his arm during their entire conversation. And Arthur's like, this one is legal. <laughs> I love Simon Pegg's reaction. He goes, oh, uh, well, this one? This one? So he shows Sergeant Angel his impressive collection of weapons that he's managed to stash. It's an armory. He's got an entire armory complete with a sea mine. He has a deactivated sea mine. Yeah, this thing is wild looking too because it's just a giant ball with like these spikes on it. Yeah. And it's... And sitting I love in the middle of the room. He like hits it with the butt of the gun and it starts ticking and everybody runs out of the building. <laughs> right. And you get that classic shot that you always get in every action movie. The camera of, lifts off and it's like, oh, it's going to blow yep. up. And as then they it jump over the hedges. Doesn't. Too. Yep. It doesn't nothing. blow. And it's so good. It's extremely good. But then I love the next scene after it, how they're like, oh, it's deactivated. And you see like Nick Frost kicking it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so, so good. So the two of them haul in the entire collection. And and fill the uh, the evidence room yeah. at the at the precinct, which has never had anything in it. No, also, I would. The code is nine nine nine, which yes, is, is hilarious. Yeah, because that's the number for the police over yonder. It's a very good joke. To celebrate, Danny invites Nicholas out for an evening at the local pub, where he encourages Nick to order more than just his usual cranberry juice. He wants to party. Nick He's wants like, to throw down. Danny's like, let's hang out, like outside of work. It'd right, you got to turn off. Nick Angel decides he's going to have a proper pint. Yes. Finally. A pint. He's going to come down to earth and drink like he, a normal human being. He asks, like, what kind of wine do you have? And he's like, well, we got red and we have white. <laughs> I'll have a pint of lager. Brian. <laughs> yeah. I think it's time to, you know, have You a are drink setting with... a dangerous precedent right now because of Why? what movie is next week. I'm extremely aware of what movie is next week. 
I'm extremely, extremely aware. And realistically, this is a lot like liver push-ups, I feel like, where you want to like work your way into it. Yeah, most part. this is like Joey Chestnut the week before right. a, a competition. So here, I got the world's first pale ale for us. Okay. Bass. It's not a lager, but it'll do. It'll do. It'll do. Which it's famous for being English, it proper, is. except English. Not anymore, nope. <laughs> apparently. Now it's an Anheuser-Busch beer. Right. Product of the USA, directly, because why wouldn't we? Brewed in my hometown. Merrimack, New Hampshire. There it is. After several pints of lager, the two escort local businessman George Merchant, who's also had several beers and is taken to pissing Right, on, who's uh, in this movie now. Now. He's like, Starting he, now. here's George Merchant. He's played by Ron Cook. Of course he is. I was waiting for you to go, he's in this show. No, the only one that we missed so far who, you know, we'll get to it. I don't want to rush <laughs> we'll get, it. We'll get there. We'll talk to him. Everybody in this movie comes back at some point. George Merchant has had several beers of his own, and he is he's peeing on a on the same arcade game slash slot machine that Nick Frost was using in the last movie. Right, it's the slot machine. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, that's what people slot call machine. It. When you're not so much doing an arcade <laughs> thing, but pulling on a lever. Right. Yeah, and coin it's a falls video out. slot machine. Right, it's in all three movies. It's good. You worded great this time, Brian. Thanks. <laughs> I'm very proud of you. Uh, Inspector Frank Butterman is also there. He shows up. He's like, oh, somebody needs to go home. And it's actually, it's right after after Nick spills some beer, but he's like, oh, no, I'm not drunk. And he's like, no, I was talking about this guy. <laughs> he was drunk as fuck. And it was George, who was peeing yeah. on, the, on the slot machine. So they escort him home. They do. And when they escort him home, he has like this gated home, and it's this enormous house yeah. for being in this small town. Oh, yeah. It's very, very out of place. Oh, the NWA doesn't find it in keeping with the village's rustic aesthetic. Correct. It doesn't make any sense to be in this movie either. And I would say it's just about as out of place as like a human statue in the middle of town. Yeah, that's fair. Which is also a pretty big nuisance, according to the NWA. such a nuisance. They hate it. I love how, God, man, this movie I could jump all over with because it's so damn good. How they're showing pictures of him being back and they're like, this is him at 10. This is him at 11 a.m. This is him at noon. And he hasn't moved. hasn't moved. <laughs> it's such a good human statue. He's joke. a good statue. I didn't know I needed that in my yeah, life. Yeah, I was very entertained by that. <laughs> Carry on. This is, I, I could jump all over this movie. It's so <laughs> damn good. So Danny and Nick go back to Danny's place and he invites him inside so he can show Nick how to switch off. And he unveils... His incredibly impressive DVD collection, By the Power of Grayskull. That's what they both say, which is pretty damn good. But I really like how you get that stupid, dramatic moment that you would have between a Swayze and Keanu Reeves. It's like, you got to learn to switch off. I don't know if I can. (laughs) (laughs) They're trying to lean into it so hard that way. Yeah. It's great. I also like that, like, apparently in one of the initial versions of the script, there was supposed to be a love interest for Nick. And they ended up just repurposing all of her lines for Danny and not even changing them in a lot of instances. Oh, that's and amazing. I imagine this whole scene where he invites him in was originally supposed to be the love interest. I think it was like Olivia Coleman? Oh, maybe. It would make sense, but Olivia Coleman well, working was a, on her own. It was the first yeah. version of the script. Okay. The script took like 13 months for them to do. Oof. So I don't think they had anybody attached to it yet at that point, except for Nick Frost, Simon Pegg. And actually, they wrote the role of. Uh, Timothy Dalton with him in mind the right, entire time. which is awesome. So while they're watching Point Break in Bad Boys 2, another accident is being set up involving George Merchant. The guy we just met. The guy who just entered this movie and now he's yes. just leaving this movie. The next day, Nick and Danny are called to a scene of yet another accident. Right. And uh, this time it appears George Merton was killed when his mansion exploded while he was cooking bacon and beans. I just like once they show up on set, they're right away like, this is an accident. Uh, nope. 
Canadian. Sorry, this is an accident. Oh, this is an accident we here. We didn't mean this to happen. Well, his house wasn't supposed to blow up, but it blew up. That's not the, the proper term to use. Accident implies that there's nobody at fault. That's right. <laughs> Way to quote the movie. Yeah. The, the first one was not a, a car accident. It was a collision. Yes. And then this would Traffic be an collision. incident. Right. Nick knows that George Merchant wasn't killed in an accidental explosion, and he once again believes this is Moida. That's right. At the station, he and Danny are putting together pieces of the accident to try to solve it, and and Danny's excited because they're doing like proper police work. Yeah, he feels like he's doing a thing. It's great because Danny's constantly looking up to Nick Angel. Like, yeah, you're a proper cop, and I feel like I'm just some sort of schmuck here. Who's I'm just a the guy who's kid who really likes movies. Yeah. Apparently, Nick Frost only agreed to the movie if he can name his character, and that's where they got Danny Butterman from. That's such a good name, though. Very good. But he was also, it was stipulated he had to watch 20 of these action movies, and he only watched Bad Boys 2. Just on, like, did he watch it 20 times, though? Nope. Just one time? Just one time. What a guy. Well, I think they gave him a list of 20 different action (laughs) movies to watch, and he was like, I will watch Bad Boys 2. Hey, you know what? What He's not not going to get the job. Right. It was written for him. Say, he has full pull. Yeah. Good for him. Good for him. He's like minor leaguing them. He is, isn't he? Because if Simon Pegg did it, that's big leaguing. Right, especially because he wrote it. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Edgar, I'm not going to do the movie that I wrote if I can't name myself. That's such a wild thing to think about is that this movie is written by Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg as well as Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. And Simon Pegg openly said in Shaun of the Dead he wrote that movie to kind of like live out his fantasies of Mm -hmm. being in the situation. But with this character here, he wrote it as a character. This is a very serious character. Absolutely. He's always on the job. He clearly has some backstory issues that need resolving. Oh, for sure. But he wrote it very serious yeah. for him. And the jokes kind of happen around him mm-hmm. and to him. Yeah. Oh, and, absolutely. And it lands so well because Simon Pegg is not that funny in this. Simon Pegg is the straight man in this movie, which is in its own way a joke. Right. Because he's never the straight man. It's amazing. It's so... You never think of him as being like the tough guy. Right. And here he is, action star. Yeah. Like, actual proper action star, too. Yeah. He's like, a very cool like actor. This movie... I'm learning that right now from watching these oh, back to back. I agree. This movie, you take out all the jokes, and it is a proper action movie. Oh, yeah. Well, it's a proper a lot of things, and we'll get that. That's true. Mystery. Uh... Thriller. <laughs> Thriller. Yeah, it's it's got it all. It's a slasher. It is. A indeed. lot of it. It's It's got a lot of things going on. It is a multi-hyphenate. That's right. It's a Trojan horse of a Ah, oh, there comedy. it is again. We did it. We we quoted the filmer. The right. Film, the filmer? Filmer? <laughs> we, we quoted the director and what he said about the film. Filmer. Oh, gosh. It's the pint. It's, a- it's a, The pint's getting to you. I can't even imagine what would happen if you scripted the Oscars at this point. Like, Honestly, it'd be uh, better than usual. And the winner for best filmer is... <laughs> <laughs> hold on, hold on, time out. Are we doing the cinematographer or the director? Yes. I the thought filmer. I was pretty damn clear when I said filmer. Filmer, guys. <laughs> the filmer. Will you please follow along? We're on it. I don't want to get played off of the stage when I'm introducing. That's not how it works. <laughs> and now for the Oscar for best script reading male. What? No, what? Yeah. What do you mean? Script? The script reader. <laughs> and the script read S. That's right. Supporting script read us. <laughs> Assistant script read us. Right. We don't want to get too close to the real name. Right. <laughs> Best picture hanging in the background goes to 
Is that set dress? What is production? <laughs> production. <laughs> yeah, okay, of course. Sure. Picture. It's funny you say it. We'll get there. Best, we'll get there. <laughs> best hearing of all the noise. What is it? It's sound design. Nailed it. All right. I had to make sure you knew what it was. I didn't want you to just nod me up. You're the idiot who just said filmer out loud. <laughs> I was preoccupied. I sure that you're here. I was trying to decide which accent I was going to have to use next. We agreed it's all Canadian. Let's just go back to the British. But I can't do British as well. It always comes out Australian. Well, that sounds like a you problem. It does, doesn't it? The following Saturday, it's time for the town fair. Sure is. We can't save wait. Save the church. Save the clock, church. What? Tower. <laughs> it's got a clock tower, right? Yeah, it does. Uh, uh, yeah, I guess. We find out. Nick is unfortunately strapped with working security. Is it unfortunate? Uh, not for is him. It? He's no, like, he's loving He's it. like, thank God I get to work. That's this the dream. stupid thing. Danny wants to see Nick's sharpshooting skills, and so he brings him over to a game, and he's like, hey, lend me this stuffed monkey. Adorable. It's adorable. You know where that scene came from now? Now no, there's no love interest? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so he got to shoot down all the little guys. To get the monkey, he does it without a problem. Right. And Danny gets the monkey. Fun. It is a blast. I've never had more fun on this show. <laughs> Talking about Danny getting the monkey. Nick is met by local newspaper reporter Tim Messenger, appropriate name, played yep. by Adam Buxton. Sure, he's probably from something. Probably. In fact, no, oh, I have no it's idea. like, what British show haven't I watched now, Dave? I have no clue. After the local florist, Leslie Tiller, played by Ann Reed, tells Messenger something. Nick sees all that happen, and he's like, all right, well, now Messenger's coming to message me. Right? He's like, oh, two people are talking. That's suspicious. Yeah, that shouldn't happen in I'm a on small to village like this. I have like a this. raging clue. Well, I'm getting a third clue. <laughs> Is that the new accent? No. Is that what we declare? Uh, nope. We can have multiple accents. Brian, you've got red on you. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> That's the right answer. That was close. All around. <laughs> Messenger tells Nick to meet him behind the church at 3 o'clock. So why don't you just tell me now, dude? It's like, no, nope, yeah. three o'clock. We're sharp. Clearly just standing here. I just talked to a person. I could talk to you. We should mention that this is not Tim Messenger's first appearance in this movie. He runs the the Sanford newspaper. Sure. And he's also not very good at spelling. He's a very bad speller. It and he kind of asks stupid questions like, what's your Sunday what's afternoon What's your perfect brunch? Sunday? Yeah. But it did lead to a great gag where he accidentally spelled uh, Sergeant Angel's name Angle, and everybody called him Angle for like an entire scene. The whole scene? The whole scene. Wow. It was great. Dedication. Yeah. Hey, that's a good joke. We I should like keep it. that for a scene. <laughs> Nick is asked to pull names for a raffle right around 3 o'clock. So he's like, uh-oh, what do I do? He draws the name Tim Messenger just as the church bell strikes 3. Yeah. He also pulled the name Skinner. He sure did. Who's who in was- the loo. He was in the loo, also not there. Yeah. So, suspicious. Oh, yeah. Nick stops what he's doing, and he quickly runs behind the church to meet with with Messenger. But once again, it's too late. It is too late. The cloaked figure pushes a large part of the cathedral roof onto Messenger, decapitating, splitting him in half, exploding his head. I don't know exactly. He replaced his head with architecture. With architecture. Yeah. You just see him, like, wobbling around with this insanely heavy thing. Just like through just, his yeah. neck. Yeah, he's he's very dead. He's so dead. Very, very dead. And uh, Frank is like, oh, another accident. And Nick is like, what the fuck, man? What is wrong with you guys? <laughs> Dave, I got something for you. Uh, nope, we're having a great time. Let's keep moving. Nope. Uh, actual IMDb trivia facts. In their DVD commentary, Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg reveal that they fully expected the intentional misspellings of newspaper headlines to turn up on IMDb's goof section. So that's a self-aware IMDb fact. That should never be a thing. (laughs) 
did it? I don't know. Okay. I didn't even bother to look into it, but probably. Wow. Yeah. I love that even Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg were like, yeah, people on IMDb are idiots, and that's definitely going to show up there. <laughs> people on IMDb are idiots. There you go. One note still blows my mind is that whenever we put an episode out, we always say what the next movie we're going to talk about is. Yes. And we usually record the day that our episodes come out. Right. So it's a week in advance usually. And it shocks me that nobody has tried to submit IMDb trivia facts. Stop it. Don't you do that. What I think 2021 should be all about oh, is no. submitting IMDb trivia facts to movies that we're going to talk about. And if you go onto the Ebert list that's on our website at <laughs> capepodcast.com, yeah. you could see all the movies that we're going to talk about one day. You could submit fake IMDb trivia facts oh, that no. Brian's going to have to sift through. What are you doing? You are setting me up for failure right now. Yes. 2020 was really hard. Also, I'm trying to by the by the same token, you can easily go onto Amazon.com and leave review one star reviews for all the movies where they're coming up. You could, but I read the dates. That's fair. Mostly because it helps me with editing these things. Yeah. But (laughs) I read the dates. (laughs) I'll know. I'll know. I'll know. (laughs) Uh, I've actually submitted an IMDB fact before, and I know that. It does not take long for them to just no, approve it, it. They're just and like, yep, put it up. I'm pretty sure only one person's ever submitted an Amazon review, also, that I got to read on air. And I only caught it because it ended with Superman's a bitch. Uh, and that, we all knew that who that checks was. Out. So. That checks out. <laughs> all right. Well, there you go. Call to arms on IMDb Trivia Facts. Make my life miserable. Submit them. <laughs> Nick and Danny are left guarding the crime scene while the rest of the department goes home for the night. It's almost like punishment for, for Nick being like, I think this is a crime scene. So they're like, fine, you stay here and guard it. It's not even that. It's that when they're talking about what just happened, the, the quote-unquote accident just happened, you have, was it, Chief Butterman, mm-hmm. Jim Broadbent? He's looking at Nick. He's just like, are you saying that this is a crime scene? And he says, yes. yes. And then he snaps right into cop mode. He does. Instantly. He's like, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this. It's like, he's not treating it like an accident. That's fantastic. Yeah. That is such a, a good moment for that character. I agree. I really, really like that. Yeah. The next day, Nick is furious at the rest of his department, who are all still believing that the deaths are all accidents. So Nick and Danny start putting together these pieces to try to figure out what's behind all these horrific crimes. And the rest of the department comes in, and they start singing happy birthday to Danny. They sure do. It's his birthday. Yeah. And Nick's like, uh, why didn't you tell me? He said he was working. We were working. I love it. He's having a good time. I absolutely love it. Doing real police work for once. It was great. So Nick excuses himself and he goes to the local flower shop to buy a peace lily for Danny sure. as a birthday present because there's been a, a running gag in this about Nick can't do anything because he's got to go home to water his peace lily, which is a <laughs> famously low maintenance plant, which only needs to be watered once a week. There you go. It doesn't need direct sunlight. I love it so much. It's amazing. He's surprised when he gets there and he sees Leslie Tiller, renowned for her horticultural skills, leaving town. She tells him that the land she owns was supposed to be bought by George Merchant with the assistance of Martin Blower and Eve Draper. But when they were both killed, Tim Messenger told her that the land was actually worth way more than what Merchant offered her. So she sold her shop to a land developer from the city. Right. And somewhere in here, Skinner's involved. Yeah, but we don't know who the person is that she sold the shop to. Right. So it's really like, horticulture, here's a who, and we don't know who it is. <laughs> horticulture, here's a who. You clown. Bringing it back. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it so much. <laughs> It's been gone for so long now. I know. That's wishful thinking. It hasn't been that you, long. You know how we record these things. <laughs> <laughs> We've got three episodes in the past that I'm hoping don't have 
Dr. Seuss references in them. I haven't watched those movies yet. So, <laughs> who knows? Oh. So feeling that there's some kind of conspiracy afoot, considering that all the people she just mentioned are people who have died so far by accident in this movie. Right, but I love the way that she's telling the story, because she's like, oh, and then Tim Messenger, God rest his soul. Oh, this yeah. person, oh, God rest, <laughs> God his rest soul. their soul. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, she doesn't even skip a beat in no. this monologue of after she names anyone. She's like, oh, God rest his soul. Oh, those two people, God rest their soul. <laughs> like, yeah. It's such a good joke that's written in there. It's phenomenal. But Nick is like, this feels suspicious. I need to write this down. He goes out to his car to get his notebook. It's the most powerful weapon that a cop has. It is. That's what he says. And for some reason, he doesn't have it on him here. It's the first time in the movie he doesn't have it on him. You're right. And now things are going to happen because of it. So he goes out to his car to get it. And while he's there, the cloaked figure shows up again. And he stabs Leslie to death with her garden shears right in the throat. Yeah, it's a bad spot to get stabbed. It's a bad, you know, as far as stabbings go, throat's not where you want it. No, it's probably one of the worst. I would imagine. If not the worst. Yeah. It's top. Top five, top ten. Definitely definitely top ten yeah. places to get stabbed. Yeah. The throat. Just be safe. Top 15. I, I'm comfortable in top ten. Okay. Yeah. I'll cover my bases. I'm not a doctor. Okay. That's fair. I just, the jugular is a thing that I, I'm aware of. Oh, this thing went through the front of the throat. Jugular's front, on the front. The, it yeah. is, but I mean, it, they're garden shears. You open them up, you hit the jugular from the inside. And we all know that the skin is thinner on the inside. Exactly. we all learned in Garden's Galaxy logic. Volume 2. Of course. <laughs> This checks out. You're right. But Nick sees this happen. He's like, oh, she just got stabbed in the throat. Right. And then he sees the dark figure, and he runs in to chase after it, and uh, he chases him through the entire town, basically, and can't catch up to him. And no one sees it. Nobody sees it. How about that? Somehow he he escapes through this tiny little hole, and Nick's like, how the hell? Yes. But at that point, he's got to go on with his day. That's all you can do, really. (laughs) Leslie's dead, I guess. So. Witnessed a murder. Can't catch the murder. Right. Welp. Gotta go home and water my peace slowly. <laughs> <laughs> so he's convinced that Skinner's connection to the property deal and his attitude towards everybody who's been murdered so far is sufficient evidence. He goes to the precinct. He's like, all right, everybody, these are murders. And they're like, no, she tripped. She fell on her shears. It was an accident again. And he's like, I was there. <laughs> I saw it happen. Nope, she tripped. There's a really, really good gag that's happening throughout this entire scene as well, where it was established earlier, there is a swear jar. Oh, my God. <laughs> I love the swear jar. And in this one, you have Nick Frost standing at the swear jar, and you also have one of the Andys standing at the swear jar. And one of the Andys and, and uh, Simon Pegg are talking back and forth, and every single time one of the swears, you just hear, ching, <laughs> into the swear jar. And it's, yeah, thank you, Danny. Thank you, Andy. <laughs> uh, the thing I love about the swear jar yeah. is when they actually show it, all of the swear words are, are listed are listed on there, but they're all censored except for the C word. Yeah, the C word is there. <laughs> Just completely spelled. <laughs> Everything there. else is censored. <laughs> it's like so they have fuck, but they have like the C is a copyright symbol. It's a very good visual gag. It's so good. There are so many visual gags. Yeah, there are. It's like an episode of Arrested Development. That's pretty fair. With how many hidden jokes there are in this movie. Right. Every time I watch it, I'm like, wow. Wow. <laughs> exactly. How did I miss that 17 times? So Nick takes the entire police force to confront Skinner. And Skinner is like, uh, what are you talking about? I've been here all day. I got the surveillance tapes to prove it. And he doesn't have a wound on his leg from right. when he jumped through the glass. From when the cloaked figure jumped through the glass. Correct. Whoever it may be. Right. So uh, Skinner's got an alibi. And now- Those are good to have Nick in is, general. Nick is pretty dejected. He's like, oh, shit. Fuck. I, Ching. Ch- <laughs> Ching and <laughs> That's good. So Nick is like, I don't know what to do now. So he and Danny go and 
get Cornettos again. Of course they do. This time they both get them, though. Yeah. And while they're at the convenience store. It's important to know, blue Cornetto. Blue Cornetto. Vanilla, but blue for police. Right. Like last movie was the strawberry Cornetto. Red, Red for blood. For blood. How about that? How about it? So the shopkeeper's like, have you guys caught the killers? And it's interesting because behind her is a poster for Hot Fuss, the killers album. Oh, that's, you know what? First of all, Phenomenal. great album. Phenomenal album. Yeah. Very similarly named to this movie. Yeah. And it's the killers. It's just a great visual smart. gag. So smart. Yeah. Uh, and it's at that moment that Nick has a sudden realization. And he's like, oh, killers, plural. Right. And it's the same thing. She actually has the same line earlier in the movie where she's like, you guys catch those swans yet? And Danny's like, oh, just one swan, actually. And I was like, oh, just one killer, actually. And Nick's like, it's not one killer. No. So he goes back to the police station, and he drops his whole new theory on Frank. And Frank's like, Nick. (laughs) Nick, Nick, Nick. You're exhibiting the same behavior as your predecessor. Well, he says predecessor, because he's English. English. Yes. Who also came from a big city and couldn't adapt to the quiet nature of country police work. And he ended up suffering a severe mental breakdown because of it. And, sure. And we're meant to believe that he died because of this. Because of his mental breakdown. Because of his mental breakdown. breakdown. Yes. That's why it's taking so long to clean your cottage, presumably. Presumably. So Nick is like, fine. It was an accident. And he goes back to his hotel room and is immediately attacked by a cloaked figure. Yes. How about that? Who he discovers is Lurch. Hey. He's back. Rory McCann is back. And uh, he works at Skinner's store. We already talked about all that. Yes. And because Danny earlier was like, he's got the mind of a child, Nick is like, oh, I got this stuffed monkey, <laughs> which distracts him for long enough for him to smash him over the head with the peace lily. And then he impersonates Lurch when oh, Skinner radios God, it's so to good. see if Nick has been killed. I love how when he radios, he says like, hey, is Angel taken care of? Yarp. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure? Is he, is he never coming back again? Ever? Yarp. I don't know how to make a negative of these questions. <laughs> I like how whatever the question is, uh, eventually that leads to like the negative answer. He goes, "Narp, narp." <laughs> <laughs> oh, beautiful! And he's like, "Meet me back at the the castle outside of the village." So Nick goes to the castle. He sure does, and he finds the entire neighborhood watch alliance clad in dark cloaks, chanting ritualistically. David, got another IMDb fact for you. Okay, go ahead. NWA, Sanford's Neighborhood Watch Alliance, is also the name of the seminal rap group NWA. Yes, it is. Whose most famous song is Fuck the Police. Ha-ha. A sentiment with obvious relevance to the film's plot. Who would have thought that <laughs> this movie was straight out of Compton? Ah, that's an actual IMDb <laughs> trivia fact for you. Okay. The NWA reveal that they have been behind the murders with their motive simply being civic pride. The greater That's all good. all it is. The greater good. Thank you. It's The greater good is never said just one time in this entire movie. It's always repeated. What but, I love is that these townsfolk justify it. Yeah. And it's like, if you ask any of them, they're like, no, this isn't wrong. No. This like, is, we want, we're trying to get Village of the Year. Yeah. Like, this is fine. Like, you have all these people that are a nuisance to the town. Exactly. You have uh, the fucking actors. Martin who, Blower was a terrible actor. Right. Gone. We, we take pride in our local theater. Eve Draper had an annoying laugh. It was very annoying. <laughs> George Merchant had a tacky home. He did. It was huge, and it was out of place. Didn't fit the rustic mentality of it. Tim Messenger had poor spelling. It was terrible spelling, and it was also, <laughs> they called it, like, it was tabloid press. Tabloid press, yeah. And Leslie Teller was thinking about moving away, and that would have lent her talents to, a, as a talented horticulturist, right. to another community, and we can't have that. Can't have that. So it had nothing to do with the property deal after all. 
the part that just annoys me about that is like, do you really want to keep this horticulturalist like in town that badly that they want to like kill her? Yes, she's that good. One of those things of like, <laughs> she knows that she has this skill, and I mean, me talking here, it's like, oh, the places you'll go. Nope. <laughs> and they just don't want her to go. They don't want her to go because if another town gets her talents with the, with the flowers and whatnot, right? They're going to challenge them for best town. They are. That's a problem. That is a problem because Frank appears and he's also a member of the NWA. Yeah. And this kind of strikes a chord with Nick Angel here. Yeah. And he reveals that his wife committed suicide when the town lost best village years prior and has since done everything in his power to make sure the town keeps the title. Right. Wow. Yeah. No, this is dark as hell. Very but dark. I love how it's like so sincere as well. Yeah. Like all these folks are saying it just matter of factly. And Nick Angel's asking the questions. They're just answering they're the just questions. Answering the questions. There's yeah. nothing weird about this. Right. Except so, that they're, you know, dressed in dark cloaks and chanting right. around this thing. But at the That's same a time, weird. you have it like, oh, we've dealt with Sergeant Angel. What's next on the list? And it's just a town council meeting. Yeah. That's all this is. I love that um, the one woman's like, oh, What's her name? Named her twins. So, <laughs> right. Like, and even like before this, they're like, oh, the human statue's been dealt with. Right. Now moving on to other pressing issues. Like it's yeah. just a town council meeting just with killers. But with killers. Like culty killers. Yeah. So. Murdery culty. I had to be real careful. I didn't use a different C word there because I'd have to pay. Right. Two pounds. Yeah. The ching. And, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Nick tries to arrest all of them, but Lurch and Danny sneak up behind him. Danny's in on it. It Ish. seems. Ish. It seems. It seems. They chase Nick through the grounds of the castle where he finds the remains of other people the NWA has killed, like teenagers and homeless people, right. and the living statue. It's the teenagers from earlier in this movie that were brought in for underage drinking. Underage drinking. And then you have the, the thief who robbed the grocery store, yep. who was in that jumpsuit, if you will, and yeah. was running around. And it actually blows my mind. This whole movie blows my mind because of how many people are in this movie and how many people- popped up and had a role in this movie. And even when you think back on Shaun of the Dead, Edgar Wright knows how to introduce a character. Yes. And make it stick. Absolutely. And it's one of those things of like, he's creating this giant world here. Like so many characters to but keep track that's of. The thing is like when it came back, these shouldn't have mattered. Right. And you're just like, oh yeah. Ugh. Oh yeah. Edgar it's Wright. Such is, a memorable character. Is even It's just this little moment. <laughs> it's amazing. It really is amazing. It is master film work it is he's a great filmer he's also the master of the montage this movie is, oh isn't he though it's blowing my mind this every, one especially did it every time yeah i'm like oh that was great the one that actually got me was when he first gets to the inn and he checks in and he goes in he hangs up his coat he sits down he gets back up puts his coat back on and goes out into the town and it all happens in less than a second and you're so like good and you feel it you're like yeah he was bored as hell yeah how did he do that in less than a second? I'm just, it's it's it really good storytelling. That's how you do it. Yeah. So the NWA surrounds Nick. They catch up to him. They surround him. And Danny steps forward and stabs him. Yeah. Right in the shoulder chest area. Sure. It's a it's bad a, place to get stabbed. Uh, top. Top. Still top 10. I'd say top 10. Just be safe. Yeah. Danny takes Nick's body away in the trunk of his car. Boot of his car. Forgot. It's, it's the boot. Yeah, the boot. Once they reach a safe distance, he lets the quite alive Nick go. He's very alive. He opens up the, the boot, and and there's Nick, and Danny's like, we did it. I faked your death using ketchup packets, which is a, a bit from earlier in the movie, and Nick's notebook, which which helped avoid actual skin penetration with the knife. Sure. And Danny refuses to believe that his father and the NWA are responsible for murders, even though he was just kind of there and saw yeah. everything. Well, he tells Nick Angel, like, just go back He's to like, London. Just go back to London. 
<laughs> Lowe says London. London. <laughs> and Nick does. He's like, all right. He goes okay, back to I'm London. Out. And while he's there, he sees a collection of action films. Right at this gas station. At a gas station. And he's like, uh, I think I'm going to do this. I think I'm going to do this. I, I like how he, do this. how he gets a pair of sunglasses, yep. as you would if you're an action right. film star. And I really like how he pays for it. And you see it slapping on the table. And then yes. a Cornetto wrapper. Once and a, again. And a Cornetto wrapper. How about that? Because we are not fucking around this time. No, this time we're not. This is a Cornetto movie. It Damn sure it. is. They the better, second. Better be at our rap party. And they weren't. They weren't. This was the one where they were not at the rap party. No Cornettos. Oh, they tried, though. It's not for lack of trying. What I really love about the scene is when he puts the money down on the table and the the clerk takes it. And he misses a pound? He misses a pound. Yeah. When he goes back, the music hits again. And it's I was so just good. like, oh, yes. Yeah. So good. But that is what Shaun of the Dead was missing. Absolutely. So Nick goes back to Sanford. He's back, baby. Here we go. He takes up the entire arsenal from the police evidence. Yeah, he road. does. How does he walk through there without anybody seeing him? It's Bill Bailey. That's how- Bill Bailey doesn't give a shit. That's how bad- these They're not cops good are. cops. He walks and he grabs. You see a full evidence room. You see him like th- these yeah. close-up shots of him grabbing all this stuff, all this insane amount of ammo and whatnot. Yeah. And then they show empty evidence room well, except what, for the except the mine. for the mine. The C the mine C is mine still is there. there when he leaves. But I love whenever he walks out and all you hear is Bill Bailey, the guy at the front desk, he just goes, "When did we have a mounted unit?" And there's just Simon Pegg riding a horse. And then behind Bill Bailey. Is another, another Bill, Bill Bailey. Bailey. It's two he's, Bill he's playing two characters the right. whole time, which explains so much about why he was like, nobody tells me anything. Right. <laughs> Great gag. You got to watch Black Books. Apparently. Yep. <laughs> Yarp. Sorry. Yarp. <laughs> so Nick goes to confront the NWA in the town square, and they are equally as well armed as he is. So there's a half hour left of this movie. Yeah. And it might be one of my favorite half hours of a movie ever in just a sense of fun and everything. Like, this is just everything you want. The last half hour of this movie kept me up for another three hours. (laughs) That's very fair. I texted you this afternoon when I watched the movie just a picture of Nick Angel in his car. I'm just like, dude, I know it's about to happen because I've seen this a thousand times. Yeah. And oh, my God, I'm excited. (laughs) Amped. So pumped right now. Nick yeah. Angel shows up outside of town. This one guy sees the car. And he goes, Danny? Well, he would say Nick. He thought it was Danny's car. Oh. So then he drove the car at him. It didn't end well. No. To which he yelled, Mom! And then, and then Nick got out of the car and drop kicked a grandmother yeah, in and, the face. Well, the mom was armed because everybody and their Everyone mother in the country is, is armed. Armed in this <laughs> from now on. But. This is where uh, they ask, like, oh, what do you do? You think you're going to arrest us all? He said, not exactly. And <laughs> it's like, oh, God, this is going to be so good. It just turned into full on Michael Bay action movie. That's all it is. This is amazing action, too. This yeah. is shot so well. You get this giant town standoff of, you see, the, like, the doctor, the, the priest. Yeah. We probably should quickly mention it is Reverend Philip Shooter, played by Paul Freeman. Paul fucking Freeman. There it is. Do you know what he's from? things he's belloc in raiders of the lost ark one of my favorite movies of all time okay this is extremely exciting but you get this giant standoff and then bang the whole movie just opens up with just a just a half hour long gunfight gratuitous violence for it's uh, magnificent it's not even gratuitous violence none of these are kill shots that's true not one of these things is a kill shot which is incredible to think about that i think that's harder yeah 
Because you have to get a little bit creative. You have to shoot them in the shoulders. You got to drop them. You got to find ways to take them out of the scenario. It's a lot of Simon Pegg killing them all, shooting things behind people and them falling on them. That does happen <laughs> a lot. It happens several times. Yeah. Um, I like the one with the keg. How he like shoots the truck oh, yeah. and the kegs start the rolling kegs out. Roll out. And you see the guy just laying there unconscious. It's like <laughs> I don't need an explanation. This is good enough. Yeah. And uh, at one point, a woman's charging after him with a gun, and Danny just opens the door to the his one on the car. bike. Yeah. Oh my god, she's riding with double pistols and oh, stuff. It's so good. It's and, so good. And Danny just opens the door of his police car and, and takes her out. That's when Danny enters the fray. Yeah. So now Danny and Nick are working together again. Yeah, and he's boy. So excited for this action movie montage. He's oh, like that's the best. Finally. <laughs> <laughs> so the two of them basically take out a lot of the town. Yeah. And they end up in the local pub, whose owners are also NWA men- members. Yep. They, and they're Locked and loaded, ready they to go. Sure are. And I love before they enter, you get the same sound that you get from Shaun of the Dead from the slot machine. Yep. <laughs> that. <laughs> and then you see Simon Pegg just dive through the door, double pistols, double pistols. The, whole time. the thing that he said earlier in the movie he hadn't done. Ah, oh, beautiful. It's so good. It's beautiful. It ends with them shooting above the bar and a bear trap falls on the bar, the bar owner's head. You're telling me that wasn't a fatality? <laughs> That's the only one I said, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I feel like it's the head is probably top five places you don't want a bear trap to fall on you. The D is obviously the number one, right? Oh, clearly. You don't want you, you don't, don't want to get that caught. That's not. It's like just a real giant mousetrap. Sharper, I imagine. It's kind of like a surprise bris when you think about it, Ooh. if that happened. Those are two words that should never be put together. <laughs> That's a big time like Although, cards against humanity thing right there. I feel like surprise bris. I feel like when it comes to babies, most of them are surprises. To them, yeah. <laughs> what the fuck They're is happening? They're just getting into this world. They're like, wow, it's not all wet and dark anymore. Oh my God, stop doing that. <laughs> And then it's not even like you're cutting off a bit of mana. It's like you're cutting off something that I'm growing currently. Yeah. I don't understand what's happening this right is, now. Why? Why? Is, I thought you were done cutting things off of me. <laughs> you already cut off my big my big belly button, Dick. And now you're going to take a shot at this little one? What's the problem here? <laughs> oh, my God. So after the dispatch of the uh, the pub owners, Frank and the rest of the constables in full riot gear show up and they surround Nick and, da- and Danny. Right. But Nick is like, hey, guys, listen to what I have to say. M- maybe Frank is the bad guy here. And they go, all right. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> I love that it's uh, it's Bob Walker, the one who can barely speak English, who's like, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. And they're all like, well, Bob says it's right. Sure. So frustrated, Frank runs away. And Nick is like, all right, we're going to go to the supermarket to get Skinner, because Skinner's definitely behind this. And when they get to the grocery store, all of Skinner's employees are like defending him. It's wild. And it's not even like that. You can't come in here. No, no, no. No, no. He's got like two machete-wielding butchers who are throwing cutlery at everybody to defend him. (laughs) And they eventually, they get all the carts and they smash them. It's great. It's great. I want to very quickly talk about Olivia, Oscar winner. Yes. Olivia fucking Coleman here. Yes. Her whole running thing is that she's like hypersexual in everything that she says. Yeah. She's one of the guys. She's one of the guys. To the extreme of being one of the guys. Like how- they're talking at the carnival earlier about like, oh, some something about gobbling. And she's like, I know what I'd like to gobble. It's like, yeah. you are an Oscar winner. Yeah, this is this is happening right now. But I like how Skinner's assistant tries charging them and she, like Olivia Coleman, hits her with a- With the wet sign. The wet the, sign. The wet, she's the wet like, ah, nothing sign. like a little girl on girl, huh? <laughs> <laughs> 
Oscar winner. Oscar Olivia Coleman. Olivia Coleman. God damn it, she is just perfection. Just everything about her is perfect. That was perfection? Yeah, she's amazing. Okay. You don't think so? No. No, really? I think I think her whole character in this is perfect. Problematic. No. Oh, I think it's, I think it lands perfectly for what it is. I think it's actually actually for what it is. I think it's incredible. Which I, is like we yeah. have to put a woman in the movie. All right, she'll be the most sexist one in the movie. But that's the joke behind it. Is that you wouldn't expect it coming from her, the lone woman. I guess. I guess. I don't know. And it's so over the top too. It's and extremely not over the even top. funny jokes. No, they're which not. Which is the best which part is, about it. All right. I think it's oh, it's beautiful. It is such a good gag. Okay. We might have to have a conversation. I think we're about to, unfortunately. The super stuff score. (laughs) But all right. Expect a fight. That's (laughs) all all I'm going to say. Well, expect me to put down the number. Damn it. (laughs) You got me again. So they get to Skinner's office, and he has jumped out the window, and he is now escaping with Frank. Right. So Danny and Nick chase them in in their police car. You get this whole scene of them like firing at each other, and the cars aren't getting hurt at all. Because no. why would they? Because now we're in a one of those action movies, right? It's amazing. Where it's just lots of right shooting, and nothing. and I love how you have uh, the two baddies in the front car. Yep. How you hear uh, Frank yell out "Swan!" Because of course the Swan comes <laughs> back, right. and he goes to avoid it, and he launches off this ramp thing. And there's a tiny town that's there. There of, is a tiny of town, Sanford, which is a wonderful touch again, and they crash. But then at the same time, right after that, you have Nick Angel go, Swan! <laughs> and they slide out. They slide. They stop in time. Yeah. And they catch the swan and they put it into the car. They got Piss Swan finally. They got Piss Taker Swan. Skitter and Frank are forced to abandon their car after it crashes at the tiny town. Right. So Danny and Nick start chasing them on foot. Nick and Skinner fight in the scale replica village. And eventually Skinner- Oh, man, it's so good. Skinner trips on a model of one of his own grocery trucks. Yeah, it's pretty good. And he lands- on the church and impales himself through the chin. Yes, it does. <laughs> and it's phenomenal. And you just see the church point popping out of his mouth. And he goes, this hurts so, so much. much. <laughs> <laughs> and it's Timothy fucking doll. Yeah. Oh, you can tell how much fun he's having. It's oh, it's a, amazing. Oh, it's so good. Frank tries to flee in Nick and Danny's car, but he crashes into a tree when the swan attacks yes, him. of course. It's phenomenal. After all this happens, Nick's former London superiors arrive to congratulate him and also ask him spot. to come back. They're like, like, hey, good job with all this stuff that happened. Come back to London. Yeah, uh, our numbers are really down. <laughs> yeah, since you like left. 400% down, I'd say. <laughs> and Nick's like, nah, I'm going to stay. I like how we go back to the station and you see all of the cops there. They're like filling out paperwork, oh, complaining yeah, about it. So much paperwork there's in so this much movie. paperwork to do, but they're all just fucking around with each other and they're swearing up a storm now. Yeah. Now they don't have to put money into the swear jar. And it's like a lot of camaraderie and it's great. It's yeah. fun and I love it. And then it gets ruined. <laughs> yeah, because Tom Weaver, the last member of the NWA, shows up and tries to kill Nick. Yeah, it's a problem. He pulls out a gun and he shoots him and Danny jumps in front of the gun taking the shot for Nick. Sure does. So Nick chases him into the evidence locker where the sea mine falls on top of Weaver and then detonates, blowing up the whole station. Blows up the entire thing. This is out of absolutely nowhere. (laughs) And then we cut to the wreckage of what used to be the police station and Danny laying there going, oh no, oh no. We are full-blown Michael Bay. Oh, big time. I think the most Michael Bay moment we get, though, is when the doctor cocks the shotgun and we get eight different angles of it in a second it's so good it's amazing i don't even know if that's the most michael bay because i think the next thing is most michael bay how when you the next shot you see is uh 
Nick Angel, like six months later, a year later, whatever the hell it is, mm-hmm. coming out of his his cottage, and he's got flowers, and he goes to the cemetery, right? And he goes to the headstone there, and all it says is Butterman. You don't get to see the first name because his shoulders blocking it, and you're like, oh, this is a lovely, lovely touch. Yeah. It turns out that he's visiting the grave of Danny's mother. Danny's mother, and Danny's there, and he's alive, and he's great. Danny's doing great. He's been promoted to sergeant, and Yay! Nick is the new inspector. So they continue to patrol the streets of Sanford, but now it's a lot more like the action movies that Danny loves so much. It is, and I absolutely love the way this is all ended because you have them get into the car, and uh, it's a very quick montage of them doing cop things in the car, like, ah, turn the wheel, slap the whatever it is, (laughs) step on the gas. And when they adjust the gear shift, it has an HF on it for hot fuzz, and then it takes off like it's going to, like going towards the camera, like it's going to set up a sequel, and man, that is a good joke. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And that is Hot Fuzz 2007, directed by the Edgar Wright. Sure is. God damn it, I love this movie. It's so good. This is one of the best parodies I've ever seen. Is it a parody, or is it more of a love letter? Both. Might as well have to be separate. Because, I mean, when you think about it, all parodies are love letters. I guess. (laughs) A lot of them are lampooning them, their their source material, though. This one is really paying homage to it. What would you say is a lampooning type Austin Powers. I would call it a love letter, mostly because they take Blofeld, the entire character, is, that's what Dr. Evil is, to the, almost the look exactly, the bald head with the cat. Yeah. I would call that a complete love letter. I don't know. I guess. I know Edgar Wright himself has said that this is not a parody. No, but Edgar Wright has said a lot of things just in general, but <laughs> and you can't tell what's serious or not. Nah. He's very hard to pin down. It's that British humor. I think humor. It's, the, it's that and the, the charm of him, and just in general. Sure. When I think parody and satire, I think of Mel Brooks. Yeah. Just instantly. And it's because he obviously is jumping different genres and whatnot. And that's yeah. not so much genres. It's scenarios for the most part. Where I don't think Robin Hood Men in Tights is a love letter to Robin Hood. I think it's just a funny story right. where you can play around it. I mean, History of the World is three separate stories when you think about it. And it gets <laughs> to play around in those time periods. Spaceballs is a love letter to I mostly will, Star Wars. I will give you that one. You'll give me that one. Okay. Yes. But at the same time, you have High Anxiety, which is a direct parody of Alfred Hitchcock movies, down to the T, which Alfred Hitchcock even said, like, this is okay, yeah. so damn good. Yeah. So there is, a, I think you you can't do a proper parody without love behind it. Right. And I think that's why, when you look at those stupid fucking movies that we've talked about in the past, like oh Love Story, not another movie, date movie, movie, those things, yeah. those are not love letters. Those are just picking on things for the sake of picking on things. That's what I think of when you say parody. Okay. I think- that's not correct. Do you think Weird Al absolutely hates Michael Jackson? No, of course not. Exactly. And he wants to, you know, eat it, eat it. Right. Open up. I, I'm familiar yeah. with, with Yankovic. Of course. I think that you need to have the love in there to make a parody film work. And I do think this is a parody, despite what he says. I mean, I guess. To a point. I think it's more of a Trojan horse. Oh, there is a guy. <laughs> There's layers on this thing. Yeah. There's so many layers yeah. on this thing. And it's even to the point where you have our lead character here, Nick Angel, like he can't turn off. It's like, we've had people like that in all of our jobs who just, there's oh, absolutely. no personality behind it besides them coming in and punching the card. Just gotta do the job. Gotta the do the job. And that's what he wants to do here. Yeah. So it's just, it's very real the way that this thing feels in some aspects. And then the goof em ups. And then the goof em ups. Which are great. Which are Which we fantastic. absolutely love. This once again, critically acclaimed. Sure is. As it should be. Ron Tomatoes 100, go ahead. 90. 91. All right. What did I tell you last go week? Go up one. Well, I thought it was 89. Well. <laughs> <laughs> so go up two is what you're saying. Yeah, audience score is 89 here again. Ah, there see? Is. 
Roger Ebert again did not see this movie. I or did not review it at least. I don't know why. He lived it. I that's right. But Nathan Raven from AV Club did see this thing. He says, Hot Fuzz is everything an action comedy should be. It achieves through parody what most films in the genre can't accomplish straight. Yeah. And he's not wrong. I think I think that's that's accurate, except for the where he calls it a parody. I still think it's a parody, but that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> Dana Stevens from Slate says, It's such a vibrant goof, so full of love, both for the movies and for its cast of ridiculous characters, that you forgive it the odd, soggy stretch. I would call the culty part the soggy stretch, I, I where it's guess. a little out of place. I feel like there's nothing in this movie that's more of a stretch than any other action movie. You're not wrong. So, All right. Maybe you're honest. Maybe there. it's because they're taking it with such a, a humorous tone that it feels like more of a stretch, but it's it's not. That's possible. That's uh, likely, in fact. <laughs> <laughs> the supermarket managers on Amazon.com. <laughs> I see what you did there. They've given this thing a 4.8 out of 5. 3,400 reviews. Wow. Again, of course, 85% are five star. Uh-huh. Only 1% are one star, so obviously there's not many. Right. So from November 28th, 2012, I think it tries to spoof action movies. You, you think? think? <laughs> <laughs> if you're a fan of improbable comedic storylines and ceaseless gore, this may be a flick for you. I like those things. I do too. It's so, a flick for me. How about that? There you go. Yarp. This one's worrying. Oh. From November 21st, 2020. Uh-oh. That's too close to now. Uh-oh. From 2007, really stupid plot. Nailed it, They I had guess. to make sure. It's from this year. Also, bad plot. What do you expect from 2007? 2007, notoriously bad for plots, mostly. <laughs> I guess a Bad so. plot year. Filmers that year just were not doing it right. <laughs> <laughs> the last one I have is from December 31st. Happy New Year 2013. The movie jumps around between exposes of the plot. The characters are poorly developed, which adds to the anxiety of the editing. Stopped a quarter way through. Anxiety of the editing? Stopped a quarter way through. (laughs) Narp. Narp, narp, narp. The development of the characters garbage this thing. I only watched for a quarter of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. All of that. Oh, I watched half an hour of this movie, and I decided that the characters weren't developed enough yet. (laughs) If they're not fully formed, I'm not in. How am I supposed to... Be a part of this. You better fit that entire character arc in the first 20 minutes of the movie, <laughs> or I'm out. That's all the one serves I had. From America. Oh, snap. Yeah, you were on I, something I last week. I did a thing, didn't I? You did. Finally. Amazon.co.uk. Oh, for a second, I thought you said it wrong, and then I remembered that you're doing the, I'm doing the, yeah, the right thing. The right thing. Here. The, oh, with the W. The right thing. That's right. That's what we're doing. That's what this whole month is all about, isn't it? <laughs> It's got 2,300 reviews. Okay. So it has a 83% five-star, 2% one-star. Oh, less liked over there. Right. I only have two real good reviews out of this thing. Okay. From 17 July, 2019, (laughs) American Pie was a lot better. How are you comparing those two (laughs) movies? I'm so confused. Now, here's the thing about that. Do I want to watch Jason Biggs fuck a pie? Yes. Or Simon Pegg be a cop? Also, yes. Yeah. Um, Yarp on both points. <laughs> I don't know how you compare the two. There's no common thread between the two movies. No, it's they're just both a... comedies. General statement. Yeah, <laughs> that that's a guy who's just like, yeah, I'd rather watch American Pie. Yeah, I don't maybe know. that's a huge insult in England. We don't even know. Who knows? Like they're calling things American Pie is like the worst insult. The worst when it comes possible to film. thing you could say. This is worse than American <laughs> Pie. Ooh, hey, hey, oh. hey! There's kids here. Stop. Put a put a coin in the swear <laughs> jar. You said <laughs> American <laughs> Pie. Oh, now I said it too. Stifler's mum. 
<laughs> I wish there was a thing like English redubs. Oh, that'd be so good. <laughs> That's kind of what I'm doing here, I guess. I guess so. The last one I have is from 16 September 2012. Love that. Non-comedy, Simon Pegg is Simon Pegg with a gun. False. That's the title. The review is Simon Pegg and Nick Frost team up for a change. (laughs) But this time playing themselves in police uniforms rather than not in police uniforms. (sighs) I mean, I guess. Pegg is a super cop transferred to the sticks by fellow officers who don't like him. Shock. There he encounters a whole bunch of stuff I won't go into because I don't want to spoil the film for you. Respectful. Oh no. Pegg has already comprehensively done that. He spoiled the film just by being in it. I just... According to this sort of dry British wit. I don't understand because the character he's playing in this movie is so against what he's... I don't know. It's very different from every other character he's played. This guy goes on to say, Peg and his wife, Frost, bungle and gurn their way through action <laughs> alleged comedy until the end of the film. Then the audience breathes a sigh of relief. Wow. I need to start reading more of these. They're fantastic. Because they're incredible. That's so well written. It's a lot different than like, I brought this out back and shot it. And then I drank a Budweiser and <laughs> fucked a cousin or something like that. Yeah. American Pie, not as good, or whatever we say here. I don't know what Americans say. (laughs) Had to have it in my collection. (laughs) That guy, you're right. I wonder if there's an English version of him. Right, Bungle and Gurn. Bungle and Gurn is something you would never, (laughs) ever hear in an American review. Oh, God, I'm so excited for The World's End now next week. Just because, like, where are we going to go with this? I don't know. That is now officially all the one stars I had. Can we please just give this thing a super stuff score? We can. Or not so super stuff score. God, I'm going to get it right one of these days. Yeah, we can do that, but not immediately. Oh, hey there, sorry. Now for another edition of the Cape Podcasters Theater. Don't you know? Once again, we have for you the comedic writings of Keaton Patty, comedy writer extraordinaire. Sure is. His book is out. It's called I Forced About to Write This Book, AI Meets BS. Go pick it up if you like funny things. My favorite thing that I saw so far in that book was the friend script. Big fan. How he called him Chandelier. That's amazing. The whole time. I have not read that one. So good. Big fan. This week we're going to be doing, uh, well, I'll let Keaton say it the way Keaton does. I forced a bot to watch a thousand hours of Cops (laughs) and then asked it to write an episode of Cops on its own. Here's the first page. You're going to be doing two parts this week, Dave. You're going to be Cop 1 and Man. Oh, it's my dream. And I'm going to be the narration as always and cop two. Okay. And action. Cops. Exterior. Land with bad boys. Cop one and cop two drive in a car that is also a cop. (laughs) They're not actors, so they should not be on TV, but they have weapons, so it is allowed. We got a call about a man who was drunk and disorganized. Men are often criminals. (laughs) Women are often beautiful. Careful. This is a really bald neighborhood. We see the neighborhood has broken homes and a sidewalk selling cracks and a bomb store and nothing has hair. This him? Match description. Man. Cops roll out of car and approach man. Man wears zero shirts. (laughs) Car keeps going because it can only arrest cars. Where's your shirt, sir? Did you murder him? (laughs) Tell us. We are cops. We live in jail. We will turn your hands to cuffs if you don't like us. 
I, the good guy, I follow the rules and stalk the rules <laughs> and touch the rules weird. <laughs> Man is getting a phone call from 40-ounce beer. My wife phones. I must yell at her. What lives on your fingers? Cop 2 points out, man wears on finger a prostitution <laughs> ring. That is birth's mark. Is now being birthed a crime? Yes, since 1995. <laughs> you have the right to be named Miranda. <laughs> Cop 1 sprays pepper. Cop 2 sprays salt. <laughs> <laughs> and cut. He gets it. That's just so good. He always gets it. Zero shirts worn. Zero shirts. Totally gets it. It's a bald neighborhood. (laughs) Yeah, now we can give this thing a super stuff. A not so super stuff score. See, I did it too. You did it too. So it's fair. Hot fuzz. Story motivation. It's about a cop who goes to the sticks. Yep. And he can't turn off. Yep. And I don't know why he gets kind of sent out there because he's doing such a good job. But those Brits, yeah, they want him to do a good job out there. They want they want him out. They want him to stop making them look bad. Right. His superiors are worried for their jobs. And then they want him back, which is a touching part. Yeah. Or at least an ending. They get is. more Stephen Coogan. It's something. More I'm going to go with uh, 0. 0.75. 0. 0.75? It's a ridiculous way to get him out there, but here we are. It is, but it's it's also so British. I, I suppose so. 0. 0.75 works for me. <laughs> okay. Not going to even defend your- <laughs> That's so British. Well, Moving it's, on. It's very British. <laughs> like, ah, let's get rid of this guy because he might take our job. That's very American, really, when you think about it. Is it, though? Uh, yeah, they're they're building a wall mostly to say that exactly. Oh, that completely that reminds me. I completely forgot about when Inspector Frank says we're trying to make Sanford great again. Oh boy. Okay. I actually went. What? <laughs> <laughs> he says those words. He's like, "We're making Sanford great again." I was like, "Jesus Christ!" Got to put that on a hat. Oh boy. Don't don't. Those hats need to be those hats. Gone and burned for forever. The, do you see they're trying to sell now the blue hats that says that say "Made America Great Again"? You can't pass tense. Like, get out of here! Oh my god! But it, no, but it's like it's like Joe Biden's team trying to sell these blue hats that say "Made America Great Again." As like a and a, I hate it. Like a giggles, yeah, and giggles. Yeah, it's a giggle fest. It's a, I don't like it. I don't know if it's actually them proper, but somebody, somebody, somebody's doing it okay. as, as a haha. We need all this to stop. Immediately. No more hats. No more. Let's just stop Zero wearing hats. hats for a while. Especially, nope. No hats with words on them. None. Not allowed anymore. Has to be a, a symbol. It has to be a logo sorts. proper, not right. just white letters on a colored hat. Correct. Hero. I like him quite a bit. He's pretty excellent. I He's like, an overachiever. He is an overachiever, but he also comes down to earth when he starts to befriend Danny. Absolutely. And I especially like him most in the supermarché. <laughs> How when he puts Lurch into the cooler... How Nick yes. Frost is like, hey, did you say anything cool? And he says, no, I forgot. But earlier, <laughs> <laughs> I said this one-liner. And it's like, dude, you're getting it. He is, Yeah. It's very cool how he's finally- He has like, he's coming down to it. earth. Right. And it's fantastic. It's so good. And again, this movie is about relationships secretly. Again, yet again. And this time it's not so much about, you know, growing up. Now it's about, hey, don't take everything so seriously. Right. I'm going to go with point. Seven five. Yeah, that's appropriate. Yeah, I, I cannot go higher. Just because I think I mean it is Simon Pegg. It is and Simon he's Pegg. Real hard to do it. He did four weeks of working out to get in shape for the movie. You can tell. He and looks a swan okay. saves the day. That's right. So, point seven five is appropriate. Perfect. Villains or antagonists? Sorry, it's a lot of people. It's an so, entire it's an town's entire worth town. of people. I'm gonna go one. It's pretty damn good. It's phenomenal. And it is actually a bit of a twist 
when it does turn out to be the entire town, because they do set it up to be Skinner the whole time. They really do. They and, lean in hard yeah. on Skinner. And then when you actually pull back in his little town, then you even see that it's Frank Butterman. You're like, oh, wow, this yeah. is deeper than I thought. Which okay. is another one of Ebert's uh, tropes. Right. That they were like, we've got to make him one of the bad Absolutely. guys. Absolutely. So I think it's great. Yeah, it's fantastic. Female characters. I'm going to go, <laughs> okay, where do you want to go first, actually, before I dig my grave? So here's how I feel. Olivia Coleman is fantastic. But her character is not a good look for being like the main female of this movie. And I disagree. I think she's not only one of the guys, she is the definitive guy. Yeah, and that's problematic if she's the only female character. But it's written that way as a parody of you wouldn't expect this character to be that. You'd expect the other guys to be like, oh, I bet you want to gobble on something when talking about like turkey or whatever. That's a line from this movie. Right. I I guess, but... When it's written by a man, it kind of loses that. But you also have an actress like Olivia Coleman who understands the tongue-in-cheek of it all. And that's why she's leaning in so hard. You can tell she's having fun with what's written here. It's not a, she's a, a dumb female. No, I, 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 okay. I think that it goes a long way when she can play into the act of it all. Because there really isn't much more to her character at this point than, yeah, she's just the girl there. It's like they gave her something. Yes, they gave her something, but what they gave her was, I don't know. I do like that we have the townspeople. There's a lot of prominent female characters yeah, who are all pretty badass and hold yeah, their own against, against uh, Nikki. Let's just agree on one. I feel like that's high. Yeah. Yes. No. It's Oscar winner Olivia Coleman. Which is? Where you can see her range. <laughs> is that the argument you're going to go with here is range? Well, my first one didn't work, so yes. I'm having a really hard time giving this movie a one <laughs> for female characters. I like that there's right, not like five. There's that's, no love interest, yeah, which I think you're probably is right. That's something. a good move. One, you're right. That is uh, no, that's not a one move, but it's it's a good move. Point seven five. Okay, we're uh, agree to disagree. Very much in the point seven five. Okay, area in this movie <laughs> setting. It's a town called Sanford, which is fake, but this fully is. It is Wells, a like, fully realized Fells, Somerset, town. England. Yeah. It is. I mean, it is fully realized, except for the cathedral, that they had a digitally the, replaced. Yeah, but, but that's- Man, this thing is perfect. It really is. I'm going to go 1-5. Wow. Yeah, I think this is such a good setting for this movie. Yeah. Where you do feel like you are removed from London, even though we didn't get really see London, which is fine. We don't need right. to. We, we don't need London. to, because we, we just- Yeah, we know what it is. We it's know fine. that that's where he's coming from. Right. This is perfect. It's, it's excellent. And you can tell that there was a lot of care put into it by Edgar Wright, because he's so familiar with the right, area. Right, exactly. Also, one other quick thing about the setting is that- Wells is the second smallest city in England. Really? Yeah. Behind the city of London. Because the city of London was, I guess, the original settlement of it where the cathedral would be. Okay. And it sprung out from there. So the city of London itself is only like 1.4 square kilometers, something silly like that. Oh, wow. And that's considered the smallest city in England. That the is- The city of London. Interesting. Yeah, I read that on Wikipedia, so it could be right, it could not be. <laughs> It's like an IMDb actual trivia fact. Do, 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 do. The more you may know. The more you may know. I like that. <laughs> yeah, one five for setting. Style and tone. I'm going to go two. I like that answer. Yeah. I uh, like that a I lot. I think it's phenomenal. There was a lot of care put into the way this thing looks. Big time. It's terrific. This is everything we loved about Shaun of the Dead amped up. It, that's exactly it. Brought to the whole nubba level. I love it. Two. <laughs> two for style and tone. Director. Two, again. Too. He's really just flexing at this point. At this point, it's like, 
Remember my first movie? When I did the horror thing with the zombies? Wait till you see my sophomore debut. It's just so good. Yeah, two. All right. Two indeed. Music. What do you got? I really enjoyed the music in this movie. It's pretty good. It's it, There's two composers involved. They gave the main credit to David Arnold, who does like all the James Bond movies. Sure. Well, not all. All of them from Tomorrow Never Dies to Quantum of Solace. Right. And he also did Sherlock, the, the TV show, and Good Omens. I love Sherlock TV show. <laughs> it's so good. Speaking of Martin fucking Freeman. Right? He does an excellent job. And then he also brought in Robert Rodriguez for a few of the songs here and there which he didn't even hear the other ones. He just composed for the scenes he was doing, and everything seems to work really well. I agree. And I noticed the music this time, but not in a distracting way, in a way that I was like, that's amazing. Yeah, it's perfect. I didn't notice it a ton, and the stuff I did notice I really liked. Yeah. So I'll go definitely 0.75 again. I think it I deserves think a full one, but- If I, you think it deserves a full one, I will give you a full one. I don't think it does. I think that some of the stuff blends in a little too well, that okay. it, it could go unnoticed. That makes it appropriate, I agree, but it still camouflages a little too much within the movie. How much are you talking? Because I feel like I noticed the score a lot. I couldn't hum anything back to you right now, and I just watched it this afternoon. Okay. I can't exactly hum anything back to you, but I I know that I was enjoying it, and I noticed themes Okay, between the action sequences and yeah, like the sleepy town. I can't and... go one. I can't go one. All right. 0. 0.75. Uh, yeah, I... 0.75 is fine. Sorry. <laughs> I know right. I liked it. It's just there's nothing there for me. Yeah. Like memorable. Sorry. One liners. Now, there's a couple biggies in this one. Yarp. Yarp and Narp are are terrific. <laughs> oh, I was just agreeing with you. Oh. Well, there you go. <laughs> the greater good alone it's is phenomenal. Unbelievable. The greater good. Sorry, I let you say it only once. Only once That's... doesn't work. You know what? This one might not have as many one liners. They land really hard when they're there. It's funny because I read a review where they're like, everything in this movie is a one-liner or a two-liner or a setup or payoff to another joke that's been- That's correct. But none of them are super memorable. Right. It's almost like they fall into the plot too well. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Weird, huh? I hate when dialogue drives the it's plot. my nightmare, really. <laughs> I'm going to go 0.5 and with a question mark. Okay. To go higher. I feel like we could go higher if we could think of anything. But I mean, I like just about everything- Skinner says. Oh, absolutely. But are they one-liners, just good pieces of dialogue? That's a great question. Yeah, and that's the tricky What's part. What's the line? That, yeah. Where like, do you... They fall into place too well almost. I'm going to go 0.5. Okay, 0.5. They did too good of a it job. It feels low, but yeah. 0.5 is appropriate. Impact on the genre. The genre being? I'm sorry. Impact on the industry. The industry being? No. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's the second of a trilogy. Yeah. That might not have been a trilogy It's a, a quote-unquote trilogy. <laughs> I mean, it's a good comedy. It's a great comedy. That's really all it is. It, it did well. Yeah, I mean, it's an $8 million budget. And it was an $8 million pound budget. Sorry, and it did $80 million. For fuck's sake, please translate it in the future to make this easier. Nope, it's more fun to do pounds. <laughs> it did okay. It's a comedy. It, it, it did it did fu- actually yeah. pretty well for a comedy. Yeah. We I know, like, oh, it didn't hit $100 million, so it's not a huge success. Yeah, I'm going to go... Uh, 0.25, it's got a cold status. That's really a... 0.25 seems It doesn't really low, go farther, but... though. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, it's... I mean, it's I mean, very good. Shaun of the Dead, I think, is much more iconic than this thing. I agree. It's more iconic. It's yeah. it's not as good. Personally, I don't think it's as good. I completely agree with you, but it did more for the industry. But it did more for the industry yeah. as far as foreign films, as we said last Correct. week. 
<laughs> yeah, I'll go 0.25 for this one. 0.25. Which is a bit harsh, but I think that's It feels harsh, but it's fine because the total score is still going to be a 10.25. Too low. All right, we blew it. <laughs> I, I tried like to be hard on this one. One-liners and, and impact of the industry could probably go up, but where it landed is where it landed, and 10.25 is what it's got to be. It's arbitrary. What, it's be. what are you going to so do? So arbitrary. Brian, what do we talk about next week? It's the world's end. It's the world's end. Yeah, we're going to finish up the Three Flavors Cornetto trilogy. We sure are. I've only seen it once. I've also only seen it once, and I'm going to tell you, it's my least favorite of the three. I liked it and couldn't tell you a thing about it. That's fair. And I, I just feel know like that I liked it. You've previously told me that you liked it better than the other two, but I don't know if you still stand by that. The one time I saw it, I walked away saying, wow, I like that a whole lot, and I okay. liked it better at the time, and now watching Hot Fuzz again. It's hard to compete with Hot <laughs> it's Fuzz. It's really hard to compete with Hot Fuzz. I'm really curious. I am too. I'm excited more than anything. I've only seen it once, and it was actually not that long ago, so. Oh, okay. This should be interesting then. Yeah. I don't know. I'm curious to really break this thing down. It's going to be a good way to close out the unofficial trilogy that became official. Yeah, we should celebrate with Cornettos. They're very hard to get here. Yeah, they are. I looked. I have as well. (laughs) I'm happy you couldn't find them either. So until we do The World's End next week, be sure to rate, review, subscribe. Wherever you get your podcast, visit capepodcasters.com where you get links to all of our social media at Cape Podcasters on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Twitch. That's there too. Sure is. Patreon. We, we do stuff on Patreon. Do a lot of stuff on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Cape Podcasters. We kind of figure that if you're going to give us a minimum $1 a month, we're going to give you content. We're That's the least you, we can do. We're going to give you your dollar's it's worth. Low, well, it's a lot more than a dollar's worth. Oh, if you ask yeah. a lot of people, but. <laughs> We've got at least four different shows going on on the, on the Patreon. We sure do. And they just keep pumping out. I know this month we're going to have When Harry Met Sally coming out. Last month we had Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, which the lucky golden ticket finders there who are, we're just going to call subscribers. Yeah. They got it for, for free for a day. L- lucky lucky them. You got to subscribe. You, you never know it. when surprises are going to drop. The subscribe button's super important for us and for you, it turns out. Yeah. How about that? If you have any questions or comments, send them over to katepodcasters at gmail.com or hit us up on Facebook. And we're going to see you next week for The World's End. Same pod time. Same pod. Yerp. So, Brian! So, Dave. That is Hot Fuzz. It is. What do you think happens post-credits? I think as Stephen Merchant, piss taker, is reunited with his swan, there's a bird watcher. The local bird watcher okay. is like, wait a minute. They call that birding. Did you know that? Birding. It's birding. like filming. That's right. Filmers. <laughs> filmers do filming. This is what happens when Brian names things. Birders. So, the local birder is like, hey, wait a minute. That's not a swan at all. That's a goose. And it turns out the goose is at the tiny village to try to steal the clock tower's bell from from the church. And if you're not understanding this reference, you need to play the Untitled Goose game. Oh, God. Because I swear <laughs> to God, the game is based off of this movie. Uh, it's very possible and likely for both of those things. <laughs> Dave, what do you think happens? What I think happens is that you get all these cops that are getting all the credit for solving the crime and saving the city and whatnot. Uh-huh. And at the end of it, you just see the swan. He's just standing in Piss Taker's yard, <laughs> garden, whatever we call Gar- it. There again, it is. And to celebrate, 
We get a musical number. It's his swan song. 